today we are beginning a new series entitled What We Believe. This series will cover the fundamental truths that we embrace that direct our journey together as a family of believers. Today, Pastor Lee Hudson will be speaking on what we believe about the Bible. If you've ever been to a beach, a long beach, when uh, waves after a storm crash uh, against the beach, uh, it'll create a trough of sand out offshore, a sandbar, and it'll run uh, parallel to the beach, but it'll be unseen because it's beneath the surface of the water. The waves continue to coming over this ridge or a shoal or a sandbar, whatever, you're, whatever term you might be familiar with, and the water has nowhere to go. So it begins to travel sideways. And it'll find a place, it'll find a weak spot in that sandbar or an inconsistency in the bottom, and it will create a, a very focused current that will run directly straight away from the beach and back out to sea. It's called a rip current. Inexperienced swimmers who find themselves in a rip current do what? They try to swim straight back to the beach. It's the absolute worst thing you can do. Instead of letting the current take them out to sea, swim out sideways and you come back. Some rip currents, however, will carry a person so far out they can't swim back no matter what. But it will provide a way of escape for the swimmer. Many people have lost their lives over the years to rip currents. It can happen very, very fast if you've ever seen one. Rip currents, remember, uh, they render a person powerless. You can't fight it. It is a great representation of the world we live in. As long as the world has been inhabited by beings capable of refusing genuine life. Let me say that again. As long as the world has been inhabited by, by human beings capable of refusing genuine life, there's been a rip current pu pulling people away to their doom. Rip Current says, I get to do whatever I want. Thanks, Nate. You can take that one down. The Rip Current says, I get to do whatever I want as long as I get to be happy. The Rip Current says that I don't have to be uncomfortable or scared or tired or stressed out or worn out. I can find a way out myself. The Rip Current says, I have my rights and nobody can tell me what to do. I get, I get to be happy. I get to have my little piece of territory. My little bit of me time, in the words of the great philosopher Toby Keith, I want to talk about me, talk about I, talk about number one, my, me, my. I don't know that song. And in this current, we fight questions. What's right? What is right? What's wrong? Why do bad things happen to innocent people? Why is my spouse such a colossal jerk? Why are my parents mean to me? I hear these questions all the time, every week. Why is my boyfriend ignoring me? Why is my girlfriend nagging me? Why doesn't my husband touch me anymore? Why does my wife think I'm stupid? Who knows me really? Why don't I fit in anywhere? Is, is there such a thing in life as a real friend? What difference does it make if I live or die? Is there a God? Does he care about me? And what's he going to do about all this stuff that's happening to me in this world? Perhaps the blessing of being human, I believe it is a great blessing, is that we can feel things and we can think about those things and we can express those things and we can reach for real relationship in life in the way no other creature on the, on the planet can reach for life. But the curse of being human is that we have the capacity to refuse ourselves this expression. And we go into survival mode trying to find answers to these questions ourselves. We swim against the current, folks. And we scavenge for affirmation and we clutch for air like a drowning man. We train ourselves to be unaffected when we lose something important. We are conditioned to be numb 
against pain, and we swim against it. Not one of us lived through childhood, into adolescence, into adulthood, into the age of retirement and death, having escaped a rip current in this life, and you know it. We don't get out, folks. There's not one person here without a story. Questions, doubt, terror, longing, lost dreams, broken hopes, woundings, despair. Over the next several weeks, my hope is that you'll learn a few things about how to swim out of a rip current. You can and live. You can. You can do it. So we're going to start today with what we believe about a Bible, about the Bible. How many of you brought a Bible today? Hold it up. Good, because I didn't. This isn't my Bible. I forgot it at the office, and it's Greg's. <laughs> How ironic is that? I'm preaching today on what the Bible says, and I forgot it. <laughs> That's just God's sense of humor. We're going to talk today about what we believe about the Bible. I love this, this subject. We believe it to be the book, the book of the application of life principles that will aid and that will assist and it will facilitate true and everlasting life with God and other people as God's creation. And we're going to look at three questions today. What exactly is the Bible? What does the Bible say and who is it for? So if you have a Bible, I'll use Greg's. <laughs> Let me set this up by telling you what this document is that you hold in your hand. This is fascinating to me. I hope you find it as fascinating as I do. What exactly is the Bible? Take a look. If we take a look at the Old Testament first, that's about this much, the first part. That's the Old Testament. Here's some things you need to know. It's everything from the book of Genesis to the end of the book of, the book of Malachi. Jesus, the disciples, and the entire Jewish nation recognized the Old Testament as a finished, completed work about, as of about 430 years before the birth of Christ. 430 years. 2,400 years ago. All Jews everywhere, even the Jews who do not believe Jesus is the Messiah today, called the Old Testament the word of God to the Hebrew people and to all of us. Jesus and his most bitter enemies all agree on what is written about, the, about, about his, what is written in the first half of the book of the Bible. Jesus and his disciples quote the Old Testament authoritatively almost 300 times in the New Testament. And from then until now, the Old Testament has never changed since the time of its writing, and that is a well-documented, substantiated fact. Lots of people have been trying to prove otherwise. They can't do it. That's fascinating to me. It has not changed at all. Now, now let's talk about the whole Bible. If you just take the whole thing, all of Greg's Bible. Okay? <laughs> take the whole Bible, Old and New Testament. If you have a Bible and it is a recognized scholarly translation of the Bible, there's lots of them. New International Version, English Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible, the King James Version, the New King James. There's lots of scholarly translations, okay? Here's what you have to know. This blew my mind when I found this out. Every Christian church denomination that has come into existence, every one of them, since the ascension of Jesus into heaven after the resurrection, Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Orthodox Protestant, this is a list of, of the general categories. There are 22,000 Protestant denominations that adhere to what this book says. 22,000 little different divisions. Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Oriental, and the Assyrian Church of the East, all of them, the general church settled on what is stated in the Bible you hold in your hand 450 years ago from now. 
That's incredible to me because the, the interpretations are vastly different from one denomination to the next, but they all agree that the Bible says what it says. It has not changed. So what does that mean for us today? Well, here's what I think, that in the middle of Facebook and Twitter and blogs, this thing is immensely stable and very, very, very safe for all time. You can trust it. You can trust that it says what it says fully. A friend of mine said that uh, a very a, a scholar told me, because I asked him one time, I said, how do we know the Bible is real? And he says, well, for one thing, there's 60,000 external manuscript sources to support what it says, and they date within 50 years of the writing of some of the New Testament prophets. There's no other document like it, folks. There are no inconsistencies in its general meaning. There are no logical errors in its message. It has not changed for two and a half thousand years. The first text message, December 2nd, 1992, was the first text message. The Bible has been around 109 times longer than texting. Ha, 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 LOL. Amazing. We believe, along with a host of generations before us, that this book forms the foundation for everything we need to know about how to do life and relationship with God, others, and even ourselves. It is an undivided whole thing. No other document can make that claim. Not even close. Its stability distances itself from any other writing in human history. On a side note, and this is just how my brain work rolls, but I want to say this. I do believe that our culture confuses legitimate logical fallacy, meaning that there would be a problem in here, confuses that with disagreement. In other words, if I disagree with what it says, then it has to be wrong. That's a lie. Just because I don't agree with what the Bible says doesn't mean the Bible doesn't say what it says. Its argument is consistent and logical for all, ever since it's been in existence. It's amazing to me. Second point, what, is, what does the Bible say? Okay, we know what it is, or at least we have a notion of that. What does it say? How is the Word of God going to help me navigate the rip current that is my life? What is this thing going to do to direct me in a practical way so that I can live and move and have my being as a human? I'm going to tell you the whole message of the Bible in a couple minutes. Ready? I'm serious. Here it goes. Here's the big idea of the Bible. Number one, God made us for authentic relationship. You, as an individual, are made right. You are made beautifully. You are breathtakingly beautiful. You are made as a reflection of God's glory. I can support every one of these with Scripture. I can. You are made to do really great things. There's only one of you. God sees you. God created you for a solitary purpose for all time to do good relationship with himself and others and with you. God created us for authentic relationship. Number two, we refuse it. We refuse relationship. We have a hard time accepting that we're made right. We reject our own beauty. We reject the glory of our individuality. I'm not trying to be poetic. We reject the glory of our own individuality. Tragic. We believe there's nothing special about us. We believe we have to prove ourselves, and we try to fix it on our own, and we refuse relationship, and we are given to isolation. How many neighbors do you know in your neighborhood? I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> About four, maybe. And I've been there for a long time. We're constantly tempted. We refuse relationships, so we check out, we medicate, we overwork, and we isolate to solve our own problems. 
Number one, we're created to do relationship with God and others. God made us for authentic relationship. We refuse authentic relationship. Third, God, God made a way for us to get authentic relationship back. God made a way for us to have relationship, restore us to himself and others, redeem our life to himself for all eternity, renew our heart and mind away from refusal to reconciliation. Return us to who we're made to be so we can do what we're made to do. All of that through the work of Jesus on the cross and in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. It's true. Finally, we can possess it, folks. You can have it. We've got to want it, though. God will not compete for our refusal. He won't. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open it, I'll come be with you. It's that simple. Beautiful. We have to recognize our powerlessness to save ourselves. We don't have any power to get out ourselves. We have to be able to say, hey, I'm stuck in a rip current. I need it. I need help. We have to submit to the truth. And we must believe. This is a tough one for me. We have to believe that we're worth his pursuit. Do you believe that you are worth God's pursuit? Created for relationship. We refuse authentic relationship. God made a way for us to have authentic relationship. We can possess authentic relationship. There it is. That's what the Bible says in a nutshell. Now, there's a lifetime of story and application and wisdom and nuance and subtlety and mystery in what the Bible says, but that is the core message right there. And from that platform, everything that we believe about God, his nature, his attributes, how we do relationships with one another, how we're fashioned, thousands of other truths about this amazing life that we can have with God and others, it's all right here. You can find it. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now watch how this works. Watch how sharp this is. I love this. Let's say you work for a crazy boss. Anybody ever work for a crazy boss? Hopefully your boss isn't sitting next to you, okay? All right. Let's say you work for a crazy boss and you hate him. Let's just tell the truth for a minute. And you come home after a day of getting beat to pieces and you don't know what you're going to do because you can't stay there because you're getting torn apart and you're convinced it's going to kill you. At the same time, you can't afford to quit because you get paid well and you've got a wife and five kids to feed. And you need a job. What in the world is the Bible going to do for you? Watch this. First of all, the Bible says, I have the example of Jesus' life and the way he acted around crazy people. And there were a lot of them. I have his example, his story. It, stop, it doesn't stop there, though. The Bible says that I've been given a spirit of God to discern, to make good decisions about my future, and move forward with confidence. The Bible says that the perfect love of Jesus casts out fear. And the Bible says it's okay for me to be mad. And tell Jesus and my friends about how much I don't want to be working for this guy that makes me crazy. The Bible says I can talk to people I trust and have all my feelings out loud, and that will help me. I'm not alone. I have friends to help me think through things. And what will they help me see? It gets deeper. Watch this. It's all right here. I've just quoted about 15 scriptures to you. But I'm not done. Well, it may not be all about my boss. It might be partly me. No. What am I doing in that dynamic that's contributing to the problem? I don't look at that. Or tell the truth. 
What if I'm powerless to change him? And what good does it do me to believe that something I do is going to change him? What does it look like when it's time for me to leave the job? What does it, that's a great question. What's it look like when it's time for me to leave? When I get just mad enough to throw the water cooler out the window and leave? Is that what it means? Hmm, good question. What does it look like for me to stay in the job? Have my feelings about my boss. Be present in my job and do my work and earn a day's pay from a day of hard work and persevere, even though it's hard. And in the end, swim out of the rip current that is my life and live, even if I can't quit. It's all informed by that book, folks. Every bit of it. Is it possible that I can be present in the life of my boss and my coworkers and even people that work for me and be a testimony to the grace of Christ in my life? And how is it even possible when I'm just so mad all the time? I mean, I really hate him or her, as the case may be. The Bible, but the Bible says, with all things, with God, all things are possible. See how deep the rabbit hole goes? That's just one story. Business, school, work, home, bosses, husband, wife, five kids to feed. Siblings, aunts, aunts, uncles, dads, moms, a FedEx guy, the teacher, the coach, the teammate, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the mechanic at the shop, the client, the customer, the friend, relationships. John 1.4 says, my favorite verse. If you're anywhere close to me, I quote this verse every week, all the time. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. What is life? The Bible says in Jesus, I have everything I need for life. Everything. And what do I need? A lot more, just like you. What do I need? A lot more than food and water. I can tell you that. I can live on coffee and donuts and work for a while. A lot of you can but I don't want to just survive. That's the life of a cockroach, my friends. Cockroaches can live, man. You can't kill them. But they eat gross stuff and spread disease. I'm made for a lot more than crawling around and surviving and just eating gross stuff and spreading disease, and we always do. In our refusal, we always do. We just take what we think we deserve, and then we just become colossal jerks. I can't be the only guy who sees that about himself. I just can't. I need to know how to navigate the rip current that is the ocean of relationships that I will encounter. Why? Because there's something deep inside of my soul that craves life, and I'm not alone. Life with who? Karen, Jared, Jordan, Mike, Jackie, Kayla, Kyle, Greg, Dave, Jose, Dennis, Steve, Jeff. Life with them. People I go to church with, people I meet in the counseling office, God, life with other people, deep communion with the people I love. The electricity of those relationships is the Spirit of God through the work of Jesus and the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and the whole thing is informed by what the Scriptures say, every bit of it. That's what the Bible says. Stuff is eternal. What's the Bible? A stable, trustworthy document that's alive and applicable to my life today. It's the truth. 
What does it say? That I can possess the life God has for me in the person and power of Jesus Christ. I can live through the rip current of life with God and with other people. Who's the Bible for? Last point. Who's the Bible for? Who's it for? Is the Bible just for holy people? Well, honestly, yes and no. It is for people who God has chosen to come be with him, and in that sense, it's for those whom he makes holy. That's true. The Bible says the gospel's foolishness to those who are perishing. So, yeah, it's for holy people, but we're going to deal with that in a few weeks. Okay? So you better come back and get the answer to that one. The Bible's not for people. Here's, here's who the Bible's not for. It's not for belie- people who believe that they can earn it or earn something by just being able to say they read it. Hey, I read the Bible. Big deal. It's more than reading it. We've got to be willing to receive it and let it work on you and let the counsel of God's Spirit change what we want. It's scary. I know a lot of people who can quote lots of Scripture. I wouldn't trust them to feed my dog. No way. My dog is more important than what you're saying to me right now. Because you're saying one thing, but your life is something else. It's not about just knowing it up here. Is the Bible just for smart people? No, not at all. The Bible says that God has made it his personal mission to frustrate the wisdom of the wise and to put to shame the intelligence of the intelligent. Says it right there. I know really, really smart people, and they make a lot of money, folks. They do. And I, they have no idea how to do relationships with God and other people. No clue. It's the craziest thing in the world. I know guys with no formal education who have taught me amazing and wonderful things about the love of Jesus and about real thick relationships. And they're the men I want to be like. It's not about being smart. So if the Bible's safe and the Bible teaches us about real relationship with himself and others, that's what it is and what it says, who is it for? Romans 10.9, here's the answer. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So who's the Bible for? Here's the answer. Anybody who wants to live. Anybody who wants to really live. Good. That's good news to me. Because I know I'm not smart enough. And I look at my past, and if my deeds are going to earn me any place in heaven, that's a scary truth. Because I don't have a lot. I'm not alone in that one either. I'm just taking a guess. So who's the Bible for? Anybody wants to live. You want to live? Bible's for you. I'm not talking about pursuing an epic life, speaking to all of you Alaskans, myself included. I'm not talking about pursuing an epic life where everything is big and grand and awesome and pristine, like the big, the whole adventure thing. That's an idolatry in himself. That's not what I'm talking about. What I want to communicate is that real life with God and other people means that I'm going to see life as it truly is, for better or worse. I'm going to let that play, and you just listen. Okay, it's going to be hard. Just keep watching. I'm going to experience this as life. This is not because I want to be a surfer, but just watch, okay? I'm going to experience relationship at an incredibly deep level with other people. 
And because God is alive in me, my awareness of where I am spiritually is going to increase exponentially over time. Keep watching. What do I mean? It means that life is going to feel like riding a giant wave. Wait for it. Yeah, me neither. No. Okay, that's, that's the life I want, though. With God and other people, you bet. I'm going to show you where I am most of the time. Wait for it. This is so awesome. <laughs> to be alive is to be aware how truly powerless I am. Do you think that guy has any power at all? No. He rides the wave. He doesn't change the wave. That's my life right there. <laughs> I don't know if he gets out or not. He must have. He put it on there. He rides the wave, doesn't change the wave. He lives through riding the wave, but he doesn't alter the wave's course. Doesn't. We are going to get caught in rip current, people. Those rip currents are huge. Those are cars on the upper right-hand corner of that. We're going to get caught in that in life. And we can live through it, but we're not going to conquer it. It's got a mind of its own. Life does what it wants to do. So who's the Bible for? It's for anyone who wants to truly live. Your family, your work, your purpose, your destination, all the things that make you a beautiful reflection of God's glory, and you are. The ache inside of you that wants to do great things in the world. If you really want to live, it begins by desiring the things found in that book. If I haven't said it clearly enough, if you have an ache in the deepest part of you to, believe, to live fully the way God has made you to live, the Bible's for you. I'm going to close with two thoughts. You guys can come up. First, I mean it. This book is, and it says it, this book is foolishness to the perishing. If you don't know Jesus, it's got to start there. And that's a simple thing to start. It's as simple as just telling him in a simple prayer that you want to live and that you don't want to be the Lord of your own life and that you need him to be the Lord of your life and you want him to invade your life and you want his spirit to guide you. And you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead, you can be saved. If you believe and you invite him in, he's going to be there. And people who have been changed by the grace of Jesus on the inside, they just know. I had an agnostic ask me one time after a service. He said he, he'd been all over the world searching world religions and stuff. And he was a really smart guy. He started quoting the Koran to me. And he's a nice guy, but I was scared, man. My hands got sweaty. I'm like, what am I going to say? And he says, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that what you believe is really real? I couldn't think. This is what I told him. I said, well, something's happened in, in me, and the change that has taken place in my life cannot be accounted for by my own efforts. It just kind of fell out of my mouth. There's, some, there's things that have changed inside of me that I can't change myself. I can't account for that. The guy stood there like he'd, I'd slapped him. Been all over the world. He said, I never heard anything like that. Okay, well, that's all it is. So if you don't have the real deal going on and you're sitting here, you know because it's bothering you. Like, how do I know where I'm going to go when I leave this place? And what's he talking about? Just invite the Lord into your life. Tell him that you want him to be the Lord. He'll do the rest. It's a process of transformation over time. After the moment of transformation where you're sealed with his righteousness and you're going to be with him for all eternity. That's a mouthful. We'll talk about all that in the weeks to come, okay?
Secondly, it does take time to read the Bible, and it's tough reading. It is. So I needed a start years and years ago, and so this is what I did. I don't know who showed me this, but this is where I started, okay? You've got to have a start. So I'm going to walk through this. You can jot this down. If you, if you can't get this, we'll do something. We'll post it on the web or whatever so you can get it. This is a great way to start engaging the Bible. Get an English Standard Version Bible. It's the one we teach out of here. There's lots of good translations, but when you're sitting there with your Bible and we're reading Scripture, it'll be the same words, okay? And translations aren't all that scary. It's just, it, you know, there's, there's a Hebrew source and a Greek source, and when it makes its way into English, there's some variation in what you'll read there, okay? Meaning doesn't change much. But we teach out of the ESV. Number two, read the first three chapters of the book, the whole thing. Like, just take the Bible and go to Genesis 1 and read the first three chapters, right? That's creation to the point at which Adam and Eve decided to swim against the rip current on their own. The first three chapters, it'll give you the whole thing. That's, the, that's, the, that's what you fight when you wake up in the morning. By the time you get to Genesis 3 at the end, you're going to see the problem, okay? And when you read it, this is not on there, when you read it, Pay attention to the relational stuff that's going on in there. Like, what's going on through Adam's head? What's going through Eve's mind? How do they interact with God and all of that, right? First three chapters. English Standard Version, first three chapters. And then skip to about the middle. Take, find the Gospel of John. There's, two diff- there's actually four different, gospel, four different books written by John the disciple. Take the first one. It's the long one. The little letters are John 1, 2, 3. Take the first one. It's the one that's longer, and it has the story of Jesus, the gospel. He came, lived, died, rose again. Okay, Gospel of John. It's written for people like us, right? It's very intentional. So read the Gospel of John next, and then, and then we go here. This is all you do. You read those things. Take you a total of a couple hours. Read it all. You can read it again if you want to. I, sug- I suggest that as well. But this is what you do. Let it speak to you. Let it bug you. Just think about it. What's it saying to you? Let it work on you. Just let it do its thing. And you're going to find, if you've got the real deal going on with Jesus first, and you read this stuff, it's going to start, it's going to start making its way into your head, and it will bug you. It will. Very freeing thing. And then do what? Let it work on you. Just let it speak to you and let it work on you. And then ask questions. A lot of questions. Well, why does God say that? Well, that doesn't make sense. What did Jesus mean by that? Camel through the eye of a needle. What is he talking about? What's that story about? He spit on the ground and made mud, healed this guy. What is he? Jesus is weird. (laughs) It's okay. Wrestle with it. That's what little kids do. Suffer little children to come unto me because the kingdom of heaven is made of little kids. So interact with it like a little kid would. I don't understand that, God. Ask questions, lots of questions. Reach for a relationship. And here's where I want to be very clear. Not with just anybody. Here's how you know. Here's how you know who you can talk to the Bible about. Is it the person you're asking questions of will dialogue with you and they will join you in that process and they will give you no advice? Well, here's what the, here, I can tell you what's going on with that right here. Here's what you should do and what you need to do and what you have to do and what. Look for people who reach for life and they're full of joy and they ask more questions, and they're just willing to stay with you in that and just give you space. It's called mercy. It's called grace and patience. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If the person scares you, walk away. (laughs) Serious. There's a lot of hypocrites out there and people who will stuff all this stuff in their heads, 
and they have a form of godliness and deny its power. Okay? If they'll join you in that and it won't shame you and it won't try to change you, it's a good bet. There's not very many folks like that around. It's okay. Ask questions, lots of questions, and reach for relationship. What do we believe about the Bible? It is a stable, reliable, and very, very, very trustworthy Word of God. It holds a message of real life with God and others, and it's for anyone who wants to live fully in relationship with God and others. So what's the big idea? Here's the big idea. If you don't listen to anything else, just jump in. Jump in. Got nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Okay? Greg, why don't you pray for us? Father, thank you so much for the word. Thank you for the revelation of your word. That it stands assured. We can be confident in it. It doesn't change because you don't change. But it changes us. So, Father, I pray that every single word that was spoken today, I know that every one that was spoken, every single word that was spoken was for someone here. So we pray for the, the power of your word to not only invade our lives, but saturate our lives with exactly what the word is supposed to do, and that is to change us from the inside out. Your word is true, and it is forever settled in heaven. We can believe it, and we can embrace it. Thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Why don't you stand up? We'll sing this.